大家晚上好，这里是正在为您直播。Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. So now it's going to be my pleasure to invite Carsten、uh, Zach to sit with me for a while. You know, people have said that my primary motivation、uh, behind organizing this conference is actually to create an excuse to、um, have a chance to sit down with Carsten Zach for the 30 minutes and、uh, discuss important topics. That's obviously not true, but I'm not saying that those people have been totally wrong because I have been very much looking forward、um, to this opportunity. Carsten Zach, as you all know, now Director General for for Climate Change, Climate Change Policy at the Federal Ministry of the Environment. He has been, and I think there's no exaggeration in in this at all. He has been the personification of German climate diplomacy all the way back since he took over as the chief、um, German negotiator for the UN climate change negotiations in the late 1990s. So that has been. Um, a long, long time, and I'm、uh, very, very happy to have him here to discuss not only the past of climate diplomacy, but most importantly,、uh, the future, the road ahead for international climate diplomacy. Most of you who are following this、uh, quite closely know what a roller coaster UN climate change negotiations have been、um, over the last decade or so, and Carsten、uh, Zach. Has seen it all. Has lived through it all.、Uh, has、uh, seen the ups and downs of the Kyoto Protocol,、um, the hopes of the Bali Action Plan, the disappointments of the almost traumatic Copenhagen 2009 climate change conference. He has seen the emergence of a sudden、um, and、uh, astonishing alliance between China and the United States、uh, on climate change that has been pushing things forwards once again. Has led to the 2015 Paris Agreement that kind of. Seemed to make all of the efforts worth it, and then Trump came, and now everything is up in the air again, and everything is changing and different. We're going to have a lot to talk about, and I'm often wondering what kind of an enormous tolerance for frustration one has to have to do this as long as as you have been doing it. But、uh, we are obviously very glad that you are doing it,、uh, and that we have you have you here today、uh, to talk about it. So before we move into talking about、uh, The most important part, the future of global climate policy, under very uncertain circumstances. Let's just take advantage really quickly of、uh, the fact that you have this enormous, almost institutional memory of, of climate change negotiations、uh, in the past, and、uh, ask you, from a, from your perspective, you have been negotiating, sometimes arguing, sometimes alliancing with、uh, with Chinese delegations、uh, over many many years. What's what's your take, your your big picture? How has China's role in climate diplomacy,、uh, especially in UN negotiations, evolved over over this time. Thank you very much for being here. Yes, China's role has tremendously changed as the state of China and the world has changed. China has always been a very pragmatic negotiator, and they were primarily driven by the national policies. And that's a fair point that you're driven by your national priorities. And China came to the conclusion that active innovation in climate change policies is part of societal change, which is needed, which drives them up in their investment curves, and therefore the Paris model was an attractive one, not only for Germany but also for China, 
because it gives a clear long-term signal for investments, for policies, but on the other hand, starts these processes uh, where policy is right now within countries. That's the approach of nationally determined contributions. And in between, you have international cooperation helping to accelerating this. So clear long-term orientation as a signal to investors, to societies and to policies, starting where you are right now, integrating it with SDGs overall, and uh, just spurred by international cooperation. So you've been mentioning it, long-term um, long planning, long-term certainty also, that's an enormously important part of this, of this game. Uh, and has been a very important part for, for Germany, obviously, for China as well. Um, so now we have to talk about the major disruption that, uh, that came along quite um, unexpectedly, I, I would say. And let's jump right into it. After the announcement of the plan of the U.S. Uh, to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. How is this, has this really totally changed uh, the, entire, the entire structure, the entire game? The entire game? Is, it, is it all up in the air once again? Is it, is it all as fragile as, as it was uh, in the years before? Uh, and especially, what is the role of, of Germany and China in all this? I would argue that it has not been a derailment of the process, and it will not be. The main reason that market forces, uh, the need for transformation in the world is underway. Will it slow down progress? Might be. And time and urgency are of the essence. It's not the US who has moved out, and others have said it's US administration announcing that it would move out. And uh, the most recent signals show that the statement of moving out of Paris is not what, really what they meant. What they want to do is to renegotiate their NDC, which uh, they can do within the Paris Agreement. But our reading of Paris also is that there cannot be a downward trend. So they can restructure their NDC, but they cannot diminish the aggregate level of ambition. In the short term, you could also argue, and some have done so, that it gave increased attention to climate change issues. You have the European Council just stated a clear statement in favor of Paris. You heard that in the Chinese-German leaders' talks, the Indian-German leaders' talks, etc., mm. etc. Et and uh, you have heard these clear signals of U.S. governors, uh, we're still in, and I think it's energizing people as there is a dichotomy out there. But I think it would be too naive and probably too much just a signal within this room that I'm not disturbed and mm. industry is not disturbed by what uh, the US administration is doing because it's more far-reaching than what we see in Paris. So the terms of trade shall be redefined if it goes along with US administration. Right. And in particular, those parts of industry, those parts of society who fear that they might be the losers of the transformation, probably are encouraged to hold back a little bit. And therefore, it is that important that not only the G20 summit, but our Chinese-German uh, climate change uh, cooperation shows a strong signal that we are moving into that direction right. and that we are finding solutions. Finding solutions by combining climate policies with investment policies and with active social policies and, and, and structural policies because 
overall, the study we commissioned under the, our G20 presidency, investing in climate means investing in growth. It's still, this growth will be unevenly distributed and therefore you need to offer political chances, help for those who are not capable of, of transforming that quickly by themselves. So, so what you're saying is basically you express the optimism that uh, others will stay the course, right? That, that uh, other countries, um, especially the most important ones, and China obviously among them, but also India and Brazil and Russia, that they will not engage in a spiral of, of declining ambition. Because that is definitely, I think there was a, a clear moment of anxiety after, after the US announcement that that would be exactly what would be happening. That uh, um, with kind of this failing commitment on that side, um, other countries would just use that, that moment in, in time to also lower their um, national commitments, lower their national ambitions. So is that still uh, in the cards? Is, can that still happen? Or uh, do you think that moment has already passed? And I would, I would argue that perhaps China's very quick announcement to stand by its commitments uh, might have played a really big role in, in stopping that spiral before it really began. We heard China stating today and before at, at, at leaders' level they will stick by their commitment and you heard and, and right. all the studies show that that they will most likely overshoot their commitments. So they're getting better. You see the same story in India. Yesterday I came back from Brazil Here's the same. And uh, Brazil has its problems nowadays, but they stand to the agenda and they stand uh, uh, to the Paris Agreement. So the point is more, yes, we will be overshooting most likely our Paris targets. The dynamics will be quicker than we have mm -hmm. in the first round of NDCs. The question, however, is how do we organize ourselves collectively to give the signals to even get more speed because we all know that the current NDCs of parents are not enough. Right. So we need to accelerate, we need to give clearer signals for the transformation and that's the big challenge uh, we are having. And that needs confidence and I'm confident that the G20 summit next week will give an important uh, signal because climate change policy at the speed we need it needs to be placed at the heart of economic development and fiscal policies. So in giving these signals, let's shift to the particular issue of the German-Chinese cooperation in these issues, also in the negotiations and in achieving these kind of really clear signals that you are talking about. I would assume that also Germany's strategy towards China and in approaching this cooperation has been shifting quite a bit in recent weeks and months perhaps to make that kind of a stronger building block of providing the signals that you're talking about. Is that uh, an ongoing process? Is there, is there a clear shift in how German-Chinese cooperation in, in international climate negotiations is, is evolving? I think the fundamentals of the work have been there. We have a long-standing work on that. Uh, right. The topics have shifted over time. We have a big cooperation on setting the prices right, on, on emissions trading exchange of use. I think recently we moved more into infrastructure. It's because uh, our ministry is a construction business as well. So how to build the cities of the future. So what is a clever design which helps people, which creates livable cities, but which saves the climate on the other side as well. What kind of 
new public transport infra infrastructure do we need? Uh, so it was a program which this ministry did, uh, which led via Beijing to the creation of Agora Energiewende, the uh, Transportwende, Verkehrswende, because it was an Iki project on electric mobility financed by this ministry, whose boss is now working on that in a German context. So it is really a dialogue which goes both directions. And some probably we are ahead in Germany and others China is ahead. And that's make it that fruitful that we look at, at eyesight and, and looking for very pragmatic and good solutions because we are both strong nations of exporting ideas and goods and services as well. And I think that future markets will be somewhere at the fringe between technological knowledge and engineering knowledge plus right policy concepts. And I see China and Germany very strong on this. And I think in more populist political discussions, sometimes this complexity on how to design it is not given the right intention. You make it sound like uh, China and Germany are really kind of almost natural allies in, in this. Uh, and it can't be that easy. So there must be, obviously, divergences, uh, disagreements that are also of a perhaps uh, fundamental nature between China and, and Germany that do hamper uh, the cooperation and uh, we should be well aware of those. Um, so perhaps you can uh, give us uh, some pointers there. Of course, and it was mentioned already. I think the differences in climate change policy are not that big. But uh, as I said, climate change policy is an integral part of all our societal, economics and development policies. And we recently had some disputes on, on certain trade issues. Certainly our societies are structured a little bit differently. Therefore, the integration and the recipes are not always be the same, cannot be the same. We still see that in China there are more open spaces for new infrastructure to be built while we have to rebuild infrastructure which exists. We have a different political setup. So there are many issues where we know that we do not want to teach the Chinese and they don't want to teach us. So that's well understood. But in between in the core, and you saw that, for example, in different contexts, the work of the Green Finance Study Group, which was, in my eyes, mainly driven in China by the perceived, rightfully perceived, need for structural change. And it integrated these transparency and financial signals work. It just, uh, it was labeled green. Right. It was very useful for them. It was, was useful for us because it gives the right focus. It gets different entry points in China and into the EU or Germany, but still it's necessary and useful work to be done. So, yes, there are some issues, but if I compare that to what we had some 10 years ago, uh, they have dramatically decreased and uh, the joint interests in leading the world have dramatically increased and uh, we are very happy in, in partnering with China. And I think there's a clear recognition of our leaders that the world needs leadership and I think both countries are willing to take its part uh, together with others. Let me thank you, Kirsten Sach, very, very much for this, for your insights. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.